Welcome to Despirituality. Uh, we're really lucky today, and hopefully we're going to put a series together. This is Russ Yule. I'm with Ray Kim, Jay Schmidt, and Jason Collette. Our producer, Nathan Shafenoff, is sitting in the wings uh, to tell us what we do wrong or what we do right, or just to take over when we fail. Um, it's a, a, a rainy day right now in uh, the Bay Area, kind of rainy, kind of cloudy, but living in the Bay Area is like the most awesome thing you can possibly do. In the shadow of Palo Alto is where we're at right now. Actually, we're not in the shadow. We're in Palo Alto. <laughs> right, right in the middle of it. We're in it. Um, but we're, we're going to try to put a series together. And the guys uh, that produce here don't really want me to do series because they think a lot of you guys won't listen to part one, part two, part three, part four, part five. But I'm going to break those rules. And we're going to have a part one, part two, part three, maybe a part four, maybe part five. Depending on how long-winded certain people are around the uh, microphone set here, uh, we'll have a part six. But it's going to be about leadership. And it's going to be about leadership in a biblical sense, and it's going to be about leadership in a in, in sort of a conversational sense, in that we're going to say all kinds of things. We don't think we're absolutely right. We're trying to learn. We're going to do. We're going to put things out there that are risky and and crazy, maybe. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it'll help us uh, learn two things. One, how to look at the Bible and try to find what God is saying as an adventure and as a journey. And that it'll also give us a way to look at our own uh, uh, churches. And we're going to talk a little bit more about church today. Uh, and how to make sure our churches stay vibrant and innovative. So I just want to get these guys in here, and they'll let you know a little bit about themselves. I'll let Ray get started, and then Jay will jump in, and then Jason will jump in, and then I'll pose the theme for our podcast today. Great. Thanks, Russ. Uh, yeah, my name is Ray Kim, and uh, my wife Amy and I, we actually um, lead and live in San Francisco. We lead a ministry there. And one of the things that we're really excited about that we're doing is we work with a program called eHoops. It's a uh, fully inclusive program for kids who are typical and those have special needs, but uh, really, we're really excited about and passionate about just really doing good uh, in the community because I think that's one of the ways God actually is able to move and reach people that uh, typically we wouldn't in, in as a regular church setting. Jump on in there, Jay. Jay Schmidt. I live and work here in rainy Palo Alto. Oh boy! Oh and, boy! Uh, and known long Russ for a long, long time. Been too long with a long time. <laughs> yeah, it ain't a little too long. <laughs> and enjoy. I've been studying my Bible for a long time too, and enjoy doing that. Enjoy getting into the Word and. And being original and pushing the horizons out and trying to figure out what God has to say. And it's, it's, it's a joy to be here, and I'm glad to be here. It's good to have you, Jay. Right. My name is Jason Collette. Uh, me and my wife, Michelle, uh, we have two, two daughters, and we uh, live out in uh, Dublin, California. Dublin. Uh, Dublin. It, it rains out there, too. Yeah, I there. Dublin <laughs> was in Ireland. Yeah. yeah, it is in Ireland. Uh, but, you know, actually, uh, with St. Patrick's Day recently, there was a lot of, uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day parade, and so oh, a lot of boy. families mm-hmm. are out there. So oh, we feel boy. very, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, you know. <laughs> boy. There's a lot of things going on there, too. You look a little, <laughs> your, eyes, your eyes look a little bloodshot, Jay, exactly. here, Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we... Uh, we uh, lead in the ministry uh, out in that uh, part of the Bay Area, and uh, we feel lucky to to learn a lot uh, from the Bible, uh, from friends, uh, you know, sharing the, the scriptures together. And uh, we look forward to learning a lot today through this, but also being able to uh, uh, work together as a team uh, to really make the church grow. Now, I'm gonna so, take a, let me take a guess here. I'm going to see if I can do this. So, Jason, I know you went to the University of Washington. Yes. And I think you studied architecture. Yes, that's correct. All right. Yep. Jay, now your your education is is a little bit more complex because you've got the sort of theology thing going on there in the in the in the sort of the first educational wave, but at American University, you say international relations. So I started at the University of Washington, 
Russian studies. Oh, wow. wow Look at that. that. Yeah. That's right. Russian studies okay. for a year, Russian and calculus. All then right. I went to four years of school in Canada, studied yes. theology. Right. Then a year in Colorado to study history, and then lived in Japan for three years, somewhere in there, and then to D.C. to study international relations. Okay, wow. that was it. You know, so I forgot. I, I knew all of it, but I, I don't know that I knew the Colorado part. That one, that one slipped Lived by. Lived in me. Denver for a year, yeah. But I look, I forgive you for University of Washington, no. and and I still am no. bitter about the Rose Bowl, Warren Moon, and the University of Michigan. Yes. that's a whole other discussion. There you go. Twenty-one to fourteen. Twenty-seven, twenty-one. Obviously, someone is still living. Yeah, there we are. There we are. And then Ray. Now yep. this one's going to be a little tough for me because I don't know that I know, but I'm going to say history. Yes, that was my uh, that was the major I landed on after falling flat on my face in pre med. Oh man, I <laughs> nailed it! I nailed it! I feel so good. All right. Anyway, that was just a fun endeavor. I just wanted to do that. All right, we're in the middle of March Madness right now, and so hopefully this won't be too mad. So the the, the theme to today's podcast is going to be really taking a look and asking the question: Is your church in decline? This is not meant to be negative. It's meant to be like when you go in for a checkup, you go in for a physical, and the doctor checks your vital signs and says, hey, you know, or how, how are we doing right here? And, and part of that healthiness is having a leadership that I think is not just effective but understands how to build. And, and, and how to build in a leadership is not just about who's in charge or, or who may be your paid staff, but it's about all of the influencers who have their heart invested in building and what they understand, what they think, and what they look for. Uh, and so um, one of the scriptures I wanted to put out there for us, it's a good old one, Jay. You're going to enjoy this one. You know it. Okay, here it's we go. It's King James Version. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> where, I'm sorry, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And so when I look at that passage, what I'm thinking is, it means that when you don't have a church, a group of people that uh, believe in God's purposes for their life and walk with God, if they don't have a sense of vision for where they're going and what they need to be, that eventually it dies off. It goes into decline. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah. What do you guys think, Jason? Jason, you're, you, what do you think about that? You know, I think, you know, it's uh, interesting, even studying through architecture, uh, you know, there's a lot of vision that you, uh, you know, to be able to build something great. Yes. You know, it starts mm-hmm. oftentimes with the vision. And it's in, I love this scripture because it talks about getting a vision from God uh, through the scriptures. You know, sometimes you, you, we come up with our own. Yes. But uh, it's good to submit, you know, learn from God what that vision is. Yes. And, and and do you guys remember something called the Crystal Cathedral? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Robert, Robert, uh, Robert Schuller. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Do you guys know what happened to the... Because when I was... I don't remember what age, because I wasn't really into religion or nothing, but it used to come on TV all the time, Sundays. So I'd turn on the television to look for the NFL, and then I'd be like, Robert Schuller is on TV and the Crystal Cathedral and... All I remember is he had white hair and he yep. was, he was, you know, yeah, yep. he told really that. good stories. Yep. I remember that. And I turned the channel. That's what, those are the three things I remember. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this guy doing? I thought the game was on. But do you know what happened to the Crystal Cathedral? That's down your way, right? LA. Yeah, it was right up there. I, I think they actually like ran out of money. They went bankrupt. They went bankrupt, I thought. They went bankrupt yeah. and the Catholic Church bought it. Yeah. Yeah. This church was probably one of the five most important churches in America. At its time, wow, wow, and yeah. no longer exists—at mm. least not in its form. Wow. Why do I mention that? 
that from what I've studied and what I've researched, every church in its prime, when the primary, when the founding generation of a church, the ones who got it started, kind of kept it going in the beginning, when that church, when that group begins to grow older, they reach midlife mm-hmm. and they reach their senior years. Churches tend to unravel. Wow. And I think one of the things we have to do is make sure that as we look at our churches, that we're asking the question, hey, are we building this in such a way that a new generation of Christians and a new generation of leaders are being allowed to grow up and allowed to come along so that that church remains vibrant and continues to grow? So Mm. I plucked out, and you guys may have some, a few thoughts about, and you can just, I'm just going to ask you guys to tell me whether you think these are good measures of whether or not you think, you know, uh, your church is in decline, and 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 we, I think we use that word uh, bankrupt about the Christian Cathedral, right. and so I think a church goes in decline when it's spiritually, socially, or emotionally bankrupt before financially bankrupt. Yep. I think things go wrong socially, yes. spiritually, or emotionally. Yep. Socially being relationally before. So here's the scripture for you, message translation. I know some of you are like, oh, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. I'm not going to mention names. <laughs> <laughs> that, was J- that was Jay Schmidt. <laughs> the lives of God loyal, Proverbs fifteen six. the lives of God loyal people flourish. A misspent life is soon bankrupt. Whoa. The spiritual bankruptcy that occurs. So one of the things I wrote down, and I just want to see what you guys think, is you know your church is in decline when entertainment replaces inspiration. Mm. Mm. That wouldn't work for you? Yes. Yeah, that works. That works. What, yep. what is that? I got There's a look on your face, Jay, that says there's a lot that could be said right there. Because I think I, I think it's hard work to inspire people. It takes effort, it takes prayer, it takes managing your emotions, it takes working. Wow. Your family. It takes a lot. It's hard right. to inspire. Like I think that's why even you go back to the first verse in the KJV that people get. You know, there's no vision because it's hard to get vision sometimes, wow. and it takes more than just. You know, a flip of the coin or whatever, or pulling a verse out of Bible. It's where, and so it's easier to rely on talent. And you know, yes, people can entertain through talent. There's yes. talent people. I that's awesome. I mean, I think it's incredible. I don't have yeah. that talent. I can't do that. Yeah. But to work hard for inspiration, there's a reason why it dropped off in the Bible. Mm. There's a reason why, from Moses to Joshua to the judges, it dropped off because yes. it's hard work wow. to do that. I love it. I love it. So that's one. Mm-hmm. If you see that things are more entertainment, what the pictures are with the music that's music. playing in the background, not the singing, but the music playing in the background, you know, people are trying to put up different color curtains, pose, whatever it is, you know, there's, there's more stories than scriptures, whatever it is, that's a sign. doesn't mean mm. anybody's done anything wrong. It's just like, oh, we're starting to replace inspiration with entertainment. Okay. Mm. Let me, let me, let me, since Jay really handled that one, I'm going to get, Jason's thoughts on compromise replaces conviction. Does, does, anything there for you? Anybody can comment, but I I'm just you. anything there for you on that? Uh, yes, I believe so. I think, you know, one of the things that I can struggle with personally is uh, being uh, fearful, uh, you know, can struggle with being afraid or wanting people's praise. And I think that leads down that path of being compromised because instead of like leading with conviction, focused on the Bible or God, you get focused on people. Uh, I start to go into the compromise versus, you know, what does compromise mean to you? Uh, Compromise means that instead of uh, holding or, you know, obeying a a verse, uh, being to say, hey, I'm not going to point that one out. I'm not going to preach that one. I'm going to replace it uh, with avoiding 
uh, or not even uh, or, or bringing up another issue, uh, you know, kind of uh, distracting or uh, pointing something else out uh, that needs to change. Uh, there. Yeah, you guys feeling that one? You, yeah, I, I sorry, Ray. I think yeah. that I almost think of Second Timothy chapter three, where it says they gather around them a great number of teachers, say what their itching is going to hear. Mm-hmm. That it's easier yeah. to to preach what people want to hear than it is what they they need to hear. And that's to myself, starting right. myself. I, right. I, I'd rather read the fun stories in the Bible, yeah. the David's Goliath, than some of the prophecies that are harder <laughs> to ingest. Yeah. I, I look at I, it's. I wonder if comfort and growth can exist in the same area. Mm. You know, like yeah. it's comfortable to compromise, yeah. but growing, those two maybe can't coexist well, that well. Well, in that second 24 passage you're talking about there, that, that, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. different. Yeah, that, that second 24 passage you're talking about there is, I, I had never thought about it in the context of comfort. It's comfortable not only for the people who want comfort, it's comfortable for the leader who gives them that comfort because he doesn't have to deal with the fact that people may not like him exactly. or may not follow mm-hmm. him or whatever. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. Do you have a thought on that, Ray? Well, I, I, I thought about a compromise more about motives for me because um, I've been in past churches where the compromise – I'll tell this one quick story. I came to a Korean church, and everybody's all you know praying. They have their hands up, and the guy my, – my friend sitting next to me says, hey, Ray, guess what I was doing last night? And we're in the middle of prayer and, and whatever, and he pulls out a handgun. He's like, we just did a drive-by last night. And he thought it was really fun. He was great. And I'm, I'm sitting here, and then next thing you know, he's actually going out and praying. And so for me, it was – for me, I think about those kind of moments where I was like, oh, that's cool, but we're this is God, and this is what we do in our lives. For me, his compromise was all about how do I do what's cool and what's going to get me liked or get me to fit in. Mm-hmm. There's no thought about God or a standard or dealing with what's really going on on the inside. So I tend to struggle a lot with compromise of because I, a lot of times what gets me motivated is I just want so much to be liked or that approval or attention versus actually like living to build a real relationship with God or or live by, the, by a standard in the scriptures. Now, I assume the handgun didn't have anything to do with it being a Korean church. No, uh, well, actually... Just want to let you... I just want to make sure... No, I just want to make sure those who are Korean out there aren't thinking yes. we're, we're trying to... I, 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 I had nothing to do with that story. That's all I want to say. I wasn't there. I didn't have the handgun. Uh, my, I didn't have my hands in the air or nothing. I just... Uh, but I get your point. I get your oh, point. Wow. I absolutely get your point, and it's true. Number three... You know it's in decline when rules replace relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh. How about that one? Yes. Mm. Ray, do you want to lead the way on that? When rules replace relationship. That, uh, you agree with that? I, that I absolutely agree with that because um, like I struggle with – I think even in, in the different types of ministries that I've led or what I, how Amy and I function in our family and the family I grew up in, everything was about if you acted right, if I – if I got a certain grade in in my courses, or if I said the certain hellos or the goodbyes, or if I was polite, the rule was treat each other nice, and then you're fine. In the meantime, we had like no intimate connection in our family growing up. There was no concern. There was no friendship. So another rule was um, if I just talk, if I just show up to something and I'm really committed in my attendance to whether it's church or something, I must be okay. But there was there was no change. There was no inspiration because. Yeah. There's no other motivation to want to go except for just this is a commitment versus, no, these are my friends, and I really want to be involved in, the, in people's lives. Right. Jason, what are you thinking? You know, I thought uh, for me, like there's a Second Timothy 3, 10, 11. Paul talks about, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, purpose, faith, patience, love. I share that personally because I remember uh, a couple of years ago there was a good friend 
uh, working to build a relationship with God. We were sharing scriptures with him. And he pointed out uh, to some of the other uh, you know, men there that uh, he had close relationships with each of them. But when it came to you know, our friendship, if you will, he just saw it as like he appreciated me. But there was no relationship. And it was because I wasn't vulnerable, wasn't sharing. Uh, wasn't int- you know, I was more protecting, in quote unquote, protecting my heart from giving my heart to him and building a friendship. And uh, it really helped from some of the other friends there to point out, like, uh, Jason, this is not, you're just passing on information. You're passing on some rules, but you're not passing on, you're not building a relationship, and therefore it's not going to. So a question I have for you is, earlier Jay had mentioned that that I really like the point. We talked about entertainment replacing inspiration. He said inspiration's hard. Yeah. So a question I had for you is, is there a connection between settling for rules and the difficulty of being inspiring? Yes, you think? I, th- I think it is. I think when it comes to, uh, uh, I think it's laziness uh, to the to as far as like lacking it. When it is hard, you can choose to be lazy. Uh-huh. I can choose to be lazy and yeah, say I don't yeah. want to have to work hard at the inspiration. So yes, let me figure out a, a rule that doesn't take that much effort uh, to go by. Therefore, it lacks inf- inspiration. Yeah, because one of the things so. I was thinking about with what you said is that I, you know, I've not put this together to you right this minute. Is that sometimes as leaders, I think I was really this way when I was starting out and trying to learn how to be a Christian and then got to be a leader. Um, I may have had the ability to lead, even though I don't know that I knew that I had it. I, but I think I may have had the ability to lead, but I didn't understand that, that, that rules weren't how you lead that it's relationship, but mm-hmm. it was easier because yeah. mm-hmm. I would yeah. listen to somebody say, okay, if you're going to lead, you got to do one, two, three, four, and five. So I right. just go do one, two, right. three, four, and five. And many times when you follow rules, you don't have to have your emotions involved. You don't have to feel anything about it. You yeah. don't carry it home. It doesn't weigh on you. You don't feel the empathetic concern for the people because you can just say either you follow the rule or you don't follow the rule. And so it seems to me that what can happen to us as leaders, and we'll talk more about this later when we get more into a discussion about elders and, and, and leaders in general and gifts. I hope we're going to talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit, um, that what oftentimes happens that lets you know your 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 church or your fellowship or your community group uh, is in decline is everybody starts settling for rules and saying, well, what's the rule about dating? What's the rule right. about having a relationship with God? What's the rule about attending church? And then check it off. Yes. And then the inspiration dies and the people perish. Yep. Church yes. goes into decline. Yeah. Right. So how about this one? Number four. And this is pretty connected. So we may not have to talk much about it. Behavior replaces heart. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll jump yeah. in on that one a little bit. And the rules thing, too. Behavior and rules for me are safe. Like, I know exactly what's expected. I'm even routine. I'm, I'm a very routine-oriented person. And people, my family laughs at me because I wear the same clothes on Monday, every Monday, Tuesday, every Tuesday. That's I go me. to the same places <laughs> for lunch. Because it, <laughs> it feels safe for me. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's less stress for me to know. <laughs> I, I, people laugh at me, but I'm like, that's just how my life functions a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I, I remember one of my favorite books growing up was The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. It was a series oh, yeah. by C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. in it is a, a, a kid named Edmund who goes off the reservation a little bit right. and gets himself in trouble with the White Witch and the whole thing. It's kind of a weird story. But yeah. anyway, there's this lion, Aslan, who's kind of the main hero and maybe represent you know, Jesus' whole thing. Yeah. And at one point, Edmund, who's kind of getting restored, is going to go back and, and, and touch Aslan or, or come up to him and he's going to get forgiven. Yeah. And he asks, I think, whoever, is it safe? And... Aslan looks at him and says, I'm not safe, but I'm good. 
Wow. And I, and I think that it, with wow. God, there's like, a, it's, relationships aren't always safe. Wow. It's, and God's not always, it doesn't feel safe in a, in a way because you're outside rules, you're outside routine, but there's a goodness there that you can't get through rules. Wow. Mm, so that's good. That, wow. that kind of, you know. Love it. I love it. Today's podcast is brought to you by the I'm Feeling Spotify playlist. If you're like us and don't always know how to express what you feel, music can be your voice. Music speaks to the soul and helps us express parts of ourselves that are too deep for words. Through music, we can understand and express our emotions, and we can use the music to help us feel closer to God. With this in mind, we launched a monthly I'm Feeling Spotify playlist. It's our hope that these songs can deepen our relationship with God by helping us to connect to emotions that may be difficult to explain, understand, or resolve. Every month, a new custom playlist will be published to help you connect closer to God. Head on over to deepspirituality.net to follow the Spotify playlist so you can stay up on the latest songs from some of your favorite artists. Again, that's deepspirituality.net. I'm feeling Spotify playlist. Now, back to the show. Okay, let's see. Number five, I had to make it work. I had to add a little something to this word, but insularity replaces innovation. And by that, I mean that the group becomes very insular, all about the internal workings. Where do we stand with each other? What are we doing for each other? It, you forget completely about the outside world, and you become all about the insular issues within. And when you do that, I think you know you're in decline. When One of the things I, I notice sometimes is people who believe in God, they will be um, you know, in public or, or on, on social media, speaking in this coded language of Christianity mm. and behavior behavior uh, models and modes that are unique to being in a particular church. And it's like, don't you realize that the other 98% of the world is looking at you going, what, what are you doing? And, it, and I think you, we start to act and behave a certain way because we become insular. And, 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 and when you become insular, when everything becomes yeah. about how can I keep everybody in our group happy, you're almost automatically not going to innovate in any way with what you do to be able to serve and help people outside. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I'll take that one because I think um, when I get insular, I get I completely lose touch with reality of what's actually going on outside. Um, the, I, I become very unrelatable. I remember again, um, uh, you know, the scripture comes to mind, Galatians five. Uh, it talks about if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And we, I've, you know, I remember growing up, my family, and, and even recently, where we can get so caught up in all our little, all our uh, fights and dynamics and, and attitudes, where everybody else is like that's not even relevant. Like, why are you stuck on this issue when there's so many more important things and inspiring things to go do? Right. And uh, I had this conversation with some of my family members recently, and. Uh, their, their thinking was just, it's almost like uh, they still frame me back when I was um, 10 years old because yeah. we still hadn't resolved some of the attachment issues. And now, are you sure that's not because you still act like you're 10 years old? <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. That's the bubble I like to stay in, right? <laughs> but I realized there's a whole different world out there, and I'm missing out on the vision part. There's other things I'm not seeing if, as long as I stay insular and consume with uh, all our you know, uh, r- repetitive issues that we keep circulating. Yes, yes, yes. I, I always call those bite-sized Christians, like, you know, <laughs> because they're just so, yeah, biting and devouring. Like, or I always feel like when 
someone so into critiquing or criticizing the the lesson on Sunday or the doctrine or what that that you you're missing the mark completely small yeah it's small your bite sized little little like there's so much more to think about if your whole i always tell people like like if you ate once a week that meal would be very 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 important to you and if your entire spiritual experience is just once a week yeah. it's going to be very very important to you yeah. if if i'm working every day in my relationship with god I, I love Sunday church anyway, but it, it's not – I just enjoy it for what it is, but it's yes. not the most important part of my relationship with God. My yes. dailiness yes. is. And yes. right. when that one becomes really important, I probably only eat once a week, and that's yeah. it right there. Mm. Yeah. Good, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And, 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 and this one connects to number six, and I couldn't put this together in language that was really perfect, but attachment to the past prevents vision for the future. Mm. That people mm-hmm. – and I think that kind of ties in with the bite-sized Christian and the mm-hmm. insularity is that – you know, I, I I I'm older now, so I can look back the '80s or '90s and go, "This is what happened then." And yeah. I have friends who do that. But sometimes people look back with this nostalgic, emotional hmm. attachment that seems a little inappropriate. I remember I watched. Do you remember the TV series? Um, can't remember the title of it. Tim the Tool Man. I can't remember the title of Home Improvement. Home Improvement. So in Home Improvement, there's this episode. Um, and for those who are younger out there that are listening, if you've made it this far, um, because you may maybe you're not that into this one, but um, Home Improvement was a 90s TV show that came on around. There were a number of good family shows that came on. I didn't actually watch it because I was too busy running around. I watched the reruns later on. And, uh, and, and there's an episode where... Tim Allen is the Tim the Duel Man. So if you've ever watched the Santa Claus series, mm-hmm. Santa Claus oh, right. 1, yeah. 2, 3, yep. and all yep. this, that's Tim Allen, if you're wondering. And so Tim Allen is um, uh, has a friend who comes into town, and his friend went to high school with him. Now, Tim by now is married. He's got three kids. I think it's three. Uh, and they're, you know he's, he's moved on in his life. But his friend comes back and wants to do all the same things they did in high school. Let's go drinking. Let's go out of here. Let's go out there. And Tim Allen's like, hey, I got a job. I can't do that. I got, to, I got my kids. I got to, I'm out with my wife. What am I supposed to do? And I think for a lot of people, they keep going back. Oh, yeah. And then they get bitter if you tell them. Yep. At least that's right. my experience. Yeah. If, yeah. if I say, dude, okay, I know there were some great things that happened yeah. in the 80s. But seriously, the 80s, I mean, I mean, Off the Wall was the major album, and that was Michael Jackson. <laughs> and people feel a lot different about Michael Jackson today than yeah, they did the 80s. Yeah, Things yeah. Have I, I still had a touchstone phone, and, and you know, there was no cell phone. There's just, yeah. and I, but I think that sometimes there's two institutions that struggle, I think, with getting past the past education and, and, and churches, mm. schools and yeah. churches. Yeah. They really struggle with it. And Good. so I, one of the ones you can notice if everybody's super attached to the past, but they don't have any sense of vision or excitement about the yeah. future. I think you know your church is in a cloud. Yeah. That, do you guys agree with that one? I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to yeah. drop number seven on you then, because that's the one I know you're going to want to get into. And I've got a, I've, and that is, you know, managers replace leaders. Oh, wow. Mm. That people start managing everything and they really aren't leaders. And so it's all about maintaining and managing people, not leading people. What do you think of that one? The, expound a little bit more, because I, I like it. I, I want to hear what. So, what, so. What I've noticed is that, okay, let's go. I'm going to go a little insular here if you're out there listening. Let's just talk church. I don't usually like just talking church. I like talking about all the organizations, political organizations, economic, business organizations. And I think there's a lot that churches need to learn from the so-called secular organizations. Mm -hmm. 
that we justify we don't have to learn because they're not spiritual. And I'm not even sure that's true. I'm not sure that all the organizations out there that are not churches are unspiritual. I don't know mm-hmm. that you can make that case. Uh, they may not be spiritual the way we like it, but I don't know that you can say that. Um, but but if you just if you just look at churches and you, you just examine them, I think one of the things that can happen, especially once age sets in, and age can be 30, 35, is I'm going to manage you. So let me take you, Ray, you, Jay, and, and you, Jason. Managing you is I got to make, uh, okay, our church has one, two services a week. We meet on Wednesday and we meet on, on, on Saturday, Sunday. So I'm managing you is making sure you go to that. Uh, and then we have a, you know, potluck dinner once a month. Managing is making sure you and your wife make something for that. Um, if you bring up something that's not on my management agenda, then I fall apart. If I have a meeting, I'm managing. I've got this agenda and the agenda says potluck dinner Wednesday and Sunday. And if you say, Hey, I'd like to do something on Tuesday. I'm like, no, no, no. You know, Tuesday is not a good day for that. I'm, I've got to manage you. If you get emotional, then I don't like emotion because emotion breaks up my management system. Right. Mm-hmm. Leaders inspire people, mm-hmm. right? Managers practice the rules. Mm-hmm. Right. Managers are here to enforce it. And when you manage, you don't need any heart. You can live totally off your behavior. You're probably not very transparent about your life. Yeah. And your life goes up and down based on your ability to control what's happening around you. And so I think a lot of times what happens is people who we think we, 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 we appoint or hire as leaders actually become managers. And when you have a manager, um, I don't think he thinks or she thinks creatively. I don't think they're very resilient. Um, they're about, okay, what's the goal of the organization? Get people to Wednesday, get people to Sunday, and have once a month potluck dinner. That's what I do. If you bring up anything that's outside of that, then you're, you're messing with my management, and I've got to manage you back into the system. That's what I'm talking about. We were in the ministry for 11 years, Melissa and I were, and I remember the first several years – I would go home and do midweek service. We were up in San Francisco um, at that time. It was great. We had a great group up there and did midweek service. And usually it was a lesson that I had heard in staff. And a couple of guys afterwards, you know, every now and then would pull me aside and say, you know, dude, I don't use that word back then, but <laughs> it, would be, it would be some of the great guys that we were our great friends up there. It's like, you know, and I, and they re- I realize I'm giving a lesson that's not my conviction. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to give you someone else's conviction and someone else's vision because I don't have any of my own. And that's <laughs> right. what, that's what I you know I I was trying to not get in trouble, make sure every all the T's were crossed and I's right. were dotted. I had I had some conviction. It wasn't like I was convictionless, but this lesson wasn't my heart, my conviction. And it was great, but it was someone else's heart and conviction. Right. And I can't. I realize I'm not good at delivering secondary conviction. If yeah. it's not mine, mm. it's going to sound like it's not. It's going to sound right, terrible. Right, it right. was. It was right. terrible. And I had some good friends pull me aside and say, you either got to make it your conviction, do something different, get some – like something's got to change about you because it doesn't you – know, it wasn't the, 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 the actual delivery. Yeah. It was heart behind it. Yeah. Right. I, I just didn't have the – I didn't have the conviction I right. needed to, right. to be – I was a manager. Yeah. I was absolutely a manager and I had to change and ingest a lesson different, pray, you know, do, do something yeah. different because it was yeah. coming across as just secondary conviction. Well, and sometimes – and, and I don't know, but I think sometimes in those situations you sit down and I, I – I, I, I don't know that you and I have actually had a conversation about this, Jay. And and I know Jason and, and Ray have, have been through similar experiences yes, yes. that you're describing. Oh, yeah. But sometimes you have to sit down and go, 
okay, is this for me? Am I the guy to do this job? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And sometimes people, one of the things I think about ministry is I don't think ministry has to be a permanent life position. Like I think you can do it for 11 years and go, you know what? I did it for 11 years. Now I'm going to give someone else another shot and then I'll develop into something else. I think the culture sometimes doesn't allow for that is that people think it's failure if you don't do it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, I think probably if you do it for a long time, beyond decade, it, it, it better be a gift, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, yeah. because if you're not enjoying it, and then I think that process you're talking about of, of going from, is, is the process of going from manager to leader, also the process of going from behavior to heart. And sometimes our relationship with God needs time to catch up to the leadership we have. I was that yeah. way for a long time, I think yeah. for at least the first 12 years. I mean, when you and I met, I think I finally was beginning, beginning to find my way into what do I think? Because there was so much I didn't know. Yeah. I had to take it all in and say, well, okay, let me now go deliver this to people because I didn't have enough depth to know it. But at some point, I think you have to reach that moment where yeah. you say, either I'm capable of, of, of getting to that next level immediately or I need a change of pace to get to the next level. And I actually think training people, I've learned a lot in training people, that's something I actually look for is, does this person, has it, can this person get to a point where they have that freedom and, and capability to, it's not even so much, I think to explain to people, it's not even so much, am I coming up with a message of my own, is that if I know the direction we're all trying to go in, do I have my own take on it? It's like covering a song, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's the same lyric, but it sounds totally different yeah. because it's your voice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think a manager has no voice. And those people ultimately put more pressure on whoever's leading everything because that person's got to be giving his voice out or she's got to be exactly. giving her voice out yeah. to everybody else. So, yes, yes. And, and, and I think that leads to that leads to just an epidemic yep. of managers versus yes, leaders. Yes. And what I like that you you kind of said by implication is people have to sit back and go, okay, what's the best expression of my voice? Yeah. Some people should be, I think a lot of people should do 10 years in, 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 in full-time ministry, but then go, oh, that's how long I want to do. And then after that, I'm done, and let's let another person start out at 24 and do the same thing. So I think that's cool. I want to introduce that thought to people because I think a lot of people ought to give it some time and say, hey, let me see yeah. this. Because you're going because you're a much better, I think, speaker, leader, everything than you would have been without that experience. Mm-hmm. Right. It probably has helped you in your business that you, yeah, that you run. Absolutely. I, um, I learned so much being in the ministry, Melissa and I did, you yeah. know, and that we use now in our family, our marriage, uh, in business, in life. I, I would never trade that. Yeah. You know, and I know not, for me, you and I have a lot of good conversations because you understand what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on that, guys? Well, we're going to close out in just a minute. We're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to be bringing another podcast to you guys in the future. But I want to I want to see if Jason or Ray wants to jump in just for a, a brief comment and close on managers replace leaders is one way you know yeah. your church may be in decline. Yeah, I, I mean the managing when I when I think about managing, which I struggle with a lot, being a manager, um, a lot of it's motivated by fear. I'm afraid of something not going right according to the rules. Leading as I'm trying to learn right now and, and do, there's a lot more inspiration behind that. There's a lot more passion, love, vision, um, trying to help someone become something that God wants them to. Um, right. I think when Amy and I were talking about this the other day, I thought about where were we at some 10, 15 years ago, and if people around us had kept on trying to quote, quote, manage us and help us to just you know uh, do the same routine every week, 
I think we would have just been completely uninspired and quit and figure out something else. But I think it was other friends, people trying to lead us and yeah. getting us to go somewhere. Yeah. And even if it meant it's not the, it's not the cookie, the cookie cutter fits everything approach. I think that's where the the vision and inspiration keep um, being sustained over yeah. time. Yep. And for, for me, sure. my struggle is, you know, my fear makes me want to manage things versus living by faith and having inspiration to want to go move forward into things that, you know, like I know God has for me, but it's going to make me have to rely on God and, and get more help and change and innovate, as you were talking about earlier. So one of the things that I think we're going to do, and we're going to close out this podcast on, is your church in decline? And we hope it's been helpful to you. Helpful in this way. One of the things that's been just spectacular for me and inspired me is is in my in, in leading on a number of levels, leading in technology arena, uh, leading in the uh, E, the exceptional children and adult arena, and and, and advocating for inclusion and and building organizations, and then also leading in church, is having people talk to me about what they think. One of the ways that I've identified these uh, seven qualities of a church going in decline is because these are conversations I've had with people not in the ministry over the years, and they'll point out to me about either me or about something else. You know, uh, I had a guy contact me and go, I feel like in 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 church you know i'm we're 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 part of his big he'll say you know it seems like the guys that are speaking and leading are more into like telling stories and entertaining than we haven't heard any good bible teaching in a long time and it and i'm concerned that the christians around me aren't even reading the bible so people will come to me and say it i think one of the ways to not uh one of the ways to help your church not fall into decline is have a conversation and as was alluded to in the podcast, not that's necessarily critical, but that's informative and reflective. Because sometimes I know I can't see the way it is because my perspective is only one part right. of the experience of being together. And I think even though people may get their feelings hurt or feel uncomfortable, just letting somebody know, look, I think we've gotten into a culture where rules have replaced relationships. That can be helpful if you don't mm-hmm. do it. You may see your church go into decline, and don't be afraid to see it. Some people are like, oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to feel that. Man, I live every day thinking either I, my family, or my church, or my company, or whatever is going to go into decline. That's mm-hmm. how you stay out of that problem. I heard Bill Gates at the uh, Commonwealth Club, and this is when he was still running Microsoft, and I went to hear him speak, and he said, I study, I study GM, I study IBM, I study all the great companies because my greatest fear from Microsoft is that Microsoft will go into decline because every great company goes into decline. Mm. I think his move to step out, put Balmer in, and then to step Balmer out and and put, uh, oh, gosh, I forgot his name, um, the leader of Microsoft, it, and now Microsoft's the most valuable company in the world. Yeah, right. mm. In the 1990s, Bill Gates was thinking, how do I avoid decline? Let's be like Bill Gates and make sure our churches don't decline. Have a great Good. day. We'll be back again with another great episode of Deep Spirituality. <laughs>